You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here with you. I want to welcome you to the very first class of our new leadership training series. And I'm really excited about this. One, because it's going to be available for everybody that wants it. And two, because um, I've just got a basket full of great stuff that I can't wait to share with you. Um, my experience with leadership, of course, I've been in leadership training for uh, since I became, a, well, actually before I became a Christian, um, uh, I was actually leading <laughs> restaurants uh, back in high school. I was actually manager of two different restaurants in high school. And I've always been one of those guys that just kind of jumps out there for different reasons. And we'll get into that uh, in one of the later classes. We'll talk about what makes you a leader. But um, I've always loved leadership. I've always loved being able to make something happen or to lead the charge or do do something that that is worthwhile. And um, I'm really excited about this series one, so that we can train the interns that we have on staff and that interns can be get the training they need, but also for all of us to get leadership training. Um, I started very young, be- even before high school. Of course, when I became a Christian, I got trained on how to lead Bible talks. And like many of us, we got basic leadership training along the way in the church. And uh, of course, when I went into the ministry, a whole nother level of training. And then uh, a couple years ago, I started a doctorate in leadership and got to study different kinds of leadership, the styles, the science of leadership. Um, I've actually switched over to spiritual leadership, um, but um, much of that groundwork was very fascinating. Can't wait to share with you the things I've learned, both in the ministry and life and in school. So there's a lot of great stuff to learn. We're going to start out with step one, which uh, basically is a class called vocation, vocation, all right? And you might be wondering, well, why vocation? If you, uh, um, usually you think of work, you think of career, you think of occupation, you go to vocational training, it's usually about what job you're going to have. Um, I'll tell you this, uh, the, the word vocation actually comes from the Latin word, word for voice, which is vox, right? Vox is voice. In Spanish, it's a voz, right? Um, and um, and the word to to be called, right? With the assumption that that somebody is calling you to some to something to do, right? Uh, part of growing up is figuring out what am I going to do with my life? What what am I going to invest myself into? Uh, what's my calling, so to speak? And so that you can see the tie there is to hear the voice. What is your calling in the in life? Um, it goes all the way back to a concept from Aristotle, actually, that the ideal nature, the ideal of mankind, is to figure out what his role is, to figure out what am I on this planet for, and what can I do, and what's the greatest good that I can achieve in my lifetime. And uh, that was uh, that. That's so. It's a very ancient idea. It goes back to to the 4th century BC. Um, so as as I said, now the word vocare, which is even closer to vocation, is Latin for calling, right? What, what's my calling? Um, Isaiah 6, 8 is the classic scripture. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Um, 
you know, you, 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 you want to hear God's call. You want to hear what God has got in store for you. We know God has great plans for us. We know God wants to use us in great ways. But of course, we've got to be listening, right? And we got to have the right heart. You know, Isaiah just answered, here my Lord, send me. We can't be like, well, maybe I'll help, Lord, if I got some time, as long as I don't have to work too hard or suffer or drive too far or sit in traffic or or it's going to be inconvenient in some way. No, this is, <laughs> do you want to be a leader? A leader, one definition of a leader is, I've always put out there is a leader is the one who's willing to suffer the most, to get the most accomplished. Um, but you got to first hear your calling. There's a great story, a classic story of a young man who went to telegraph school, wanted to get ahead in life. Of course, this is the late 1800s, um, and he gets trained in t- telegraph school. And he can't wait to get out there and get a job. He feels called to this. He can't wait to get out there and make his mark in the world. And so he right away starts looking for a job, sees an ad in the paper looking for telegraph operator. You know, if you don't know what a telegraph is, I got a picture of one of those right there. You know, it's a little thing. You go, you send messages, messages using Morse code. So he goes down there to get the job. He walks in and much to his dismay, there's about 50 people in there applying for that one job. And it's a telegraph office. There's all these offices. Everybody's, you hear all the noise in the background. And and so he walks up, he gives the lady's application, and she says, we'll call you if you want the job, and you can accept it. And if you if you get called. And he's like, oh, okay. So he goes, he sits down, and he's hoping that they're going to call him. Everybody's sitting there. Everybody's kind of looking at each other like, who's going to get the call? So about 20 minutes goes by, and all of a sudden, he stands up, and he walks up to the desk, and he says, I'll take it. And she says, okay, the job is yours. And everybody else is in there like, what? What in the world? Well, here's what happened, is that noise in the background, somebody was sending out the message, if you want the job, go up and accept it, and it's yours. He was the only one listening. Nobody else was listening. Everybody just thought it was background noise. And he was listening. So you got to be the one who's listening. You want to be the one who's who hears God's call, who hears what God is telling you in life. What does he want you to do? Uh, in Isaiah 30, 20, he says, Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more, and with your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, I love this because he he describes how God just nudges us forward. And sometimes he whispers in our ear. It's a thought that comes to our mind. It's a, it's an, it's a, an epiphany while we're praying. It's an insight when we're reading our Bibles and we, aha, we get those aha moments where I know what I need to do. And that's totally how God moves a lot of times. I mean, I know we, we all want a personal angel to visit or a writing on the wall or a rock or a bush to speak to us or something. And frankly speaking, that just doesn't happen every day. Most people, 99% of us on this planet are going to hear God through the scriptures, through a conversation or in prayer. 
not by writing on the wall or an angel. He rarely ever did that. You say, well, but there's a bunch of examples in the Bible. Yeah, but the Bible's covering thousands of years of history. So, and it's only happened a handful of times. Most of the time, he talks to us very quietly in our prayers, in our Bible study, in our conversations, even in meditation, which is one one more great reason to meditate. And in Acts 17, it says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So, you know, the, the, you're not just here by accident. That's basically what we're reading here. Is it's, it's, it's God put you here a time and a place for what? That's what for you to find out. That's for you to figure out. Why are you here? Of the thousands, of the millions of people out there, why are you here? What's your purpose here? What's what's your calling? What's what? Why are you in this crowd? You know, and and that's an important question, especially if you're young and starting out. But even I don't care if you're in your 30s or 40s or 60s. Even more importantly, to figure out why am I here. What does God want me to accomplish? Because the, the older we are, the less time we've got to get it done and to get things done. Now, I don't believe that God is manipulating every minute of our life every day to get us to do something. But I do believe that he works and he places us in places and in situations where we can make a difference, where we can live up to our calling, whatever that may be. And he tries to provide opportunities for us to excel and to exceed, you know, an invocation. So in First Corinthians 15, it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, we want our work, we want what we do to be exciting, to be something that gets us up in the morning and and we're excited about, you know, this, this, we want to get up and say, yippee, hooray, all right, today I get to do something. That's what, that's what you want. You want to, you want whatever you devote yourself, your life to, to be something you're passionate about, something you think is meaningful, something you believe allows you to make a difference in this world. Now, it's not always your job. Sometimes your job can pay for your passion. Or sometimes your job pays the bills so that you can have time for your passion. But what 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 I want to encourage you in this leadership course is to think about why am I here and figure that out and figure out what's my passion. What, what do I want to accomplish in this world? And whatever time I've got left, if you're a teenager trying to figure out your whole life or you're a 70-year-old man trying to figure out what to do with the years you've got left, it's the same. It's the same question, and the answers come from God, that we figure this out. But whatever you do, do something that gets you out of bed in the morning, that makes it exciting to live, 
And I don't mean that we're always jumping up and down excited about every single day, but we need to be excited about our lives, that we're making a difference, that we're doing something that is helping the world become a better place, that is helping mankind, that is helping my church, that's helping my Bible talk, that's helping somebody that I love or care about. It's making a difference at some level. And it may not, it may be your job, it may not be your job. Certainly, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, Mark 6, 3, and Paul was a tent maker, Acts 18, 3. But their occupations were not their vocations. Ah, sometimes your occupation is different than your vocation. Sometimes your occupation is a gift that you're good at something and you can go do it and make good money so that you can answer your vocation. You can answer your calling and you can make a difference. And, and, and the way that the kingdom of God, the way that life, the way that the church is, there's a bazillion things to be done. So many things need to happen in order for just God's kingdom to move forward. And so a lot of people have to get calls in a lot of different ways. And they can be anything from just being a great servant to a highly specialized field, like you're the editor of the church videos. Or it could be theologian, or it could be whatever, but something. You're a photographer. You you worship. You sing well. You play instruments. You you're a good organizer. You whatever. You're a lawyer. You can help the church with legal things. But the, all of us is different, and no two are the same. And we should not compare ourselves. That's a mistake. So what you're trying to figure out, and with the and the first point of this leadership class is figuring out how do you make a difference. And then leadership is stepping into that role, is stepping into that, leaning into it, as we like to say now. Vocation, what is it? It's where your gifts, your talents, your strengths, your experiences, because you are unique. You are the only one that has your experiences, your opportunities, and your background all converge. There's somewhere where they all converge, where they all come together. And that's awesome. And if you can figure that out, that's awesome. You know what I love? I love uh, those the shows about singers like America's Got Talent or uh, American Idol or something. When you have somebody who's a busboy or a car mechanic, they get up there and they just sing beautifully. And everybody's in tears and everybody's blown away and... Everybody's wild, and you see them just light up. Why? Because all of a sudden they found their vocation. They found why they're on the planet. They've they found they have the opportunity, they have the background, they have the voice, they have the, the gifts, the talent, and they converge and boom, they light up. I love that. To be able to discover somebody's vocation, somebody's talent. It's the sweet spot of life, that spot right there. And sometimes you got to sit and think about, okay, what are my gifts? And that's your homework. What's my gifts? What are my talents? What are my strengths? What are my experiences? What are my opportunities that I've been given or that I am given now or that I'm going to be given? 
What's my background? Where does all that converge? What could be done with that? And maybe you got to talk to some people and find that out. And sometimes some of us, you know, I talked about the other day in a class, the difference between being accused and deceived. Actually, I called it guilted and I should have called it accused. That's the old model is deceived and accused. And those of us who are deceived oftentimes think we have more talents than we do have. (laughs) And we're the minority. Actually, the majority are accused who don't appreciate and don't value what they have. And they minimize it. And the deceived tend to compare their weaknesses to everybody's strengths. And the deceived tend to compare their strengths to everybody's weaknesses. So they feel better about themselves and the accused feel worse about themselves. And you got to figure out the truth. What's the truth? And you need to know the truth. You need to know the truth. What are your talents? What are your gifts from God? And don't be shy about it. Because you should be thankful and proud of those. God gives everybody different talents and different gifts. Everybody. Don't, 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 don't bury them. There's a whole parable about that. Don't hide them. Use them. Be excited about them. What your gifts are, what your talents are, what strengths you have. You should be aware of your strengths. What am I really good at? What are my strengths? And sometimes it's it's a little hard even, like for a lot of us, we've never sat down and just thought about, okay, what are my experiences? You know, where did I grow up? What kind of family did I grow up? What are the experiences that I've been given? Especially when you're younger, you don't have a lot of experience, but you got something. There's something. You know, I've been through a lot in my life in a lot of difficult times. And, and, and literally people have said, why aren't you more messed up? You should be really messed up, everything you've been through. I know why I'm not more messed up. Because one of the things I had is I always went home to loving parents, parents who really loved me. And that helped me through thick and thin. That helped me through so many difficulties in life. That was an experience and it was a gift I had from God. That I always knew my mom loved me and I always knew my dad loved me. And they told me they loved me and they told me they were proud of me. A lot of people didn't have that. A lot of people had more money than I did. A lot of people had a better family in terms of family life and organization. And, you know, people grew up with jet skis and things. But they didn't have that. I'd take that over jet skis any day. You know, so what's your situation? What did you have? Maybe you had a great family. Maybe you had, maybe you didn't have a great family. What did that teach you? You know, what did you learn there? What did that, that make you tough? Make you stronger, make you more driven. What opportunities? I went to good schools, went to a good college. I got to go to college, or maybe I got to work at a place where the guy was really good at stuff and he taught me good stuff, taught me to be excellent, taught me to be a hard worker or something. I don't know. All of us have this in our background, of course. That sweet spot, you want to figure that out. This is the vocare, it's where my strengths are and what the world needs. That's my purpose. That's my purpose. That's my calling. So what are the strengths God's given me? And what does the world need? What does my community need? What does my family need? That's my purpose. There's where I know what to do. Aha! 
I'm a bricklayer, and a building fell over. Ta-da, here I am. I'm ready to serve. We have those things, but we have to identify them. We have to be aware of them. What are you good at? And don't be shy about that. Well, we, yes, we, we also need to know our, our weaknesses, and we'll talk about that. <clears throat> Most of us spend way too much time focused on our weaknesses, worrying about our weaknesses. I love one of the sentences that God told Gideon. And Gideon was fully aware of all his weaknesses. I'm nobody from a nobody family. What do I know? He said, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. God gave you what you need for success. He didn't rob you. He didn't jip you. You have what you need. Go in the strength you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Well, I'm not as organized as that person. I'm not as talented as that person. I'm not as smart as that person. I'm not as good looking as that person. I'm not as hardworking. I'm, you know, whatever. You are something. Be aware of that. God made you a certain way. You might be a pickup truck. Stop comparing yourself with race cars. You might be a luxury sedan. Stop comparing yourself with pickup trucks. You'll lose every time. You might be a race car. Stop trying to four wheel try trying to be a four wheel drive. You keep getting snagged and broken down because you're trying to be something you weren't called to be. You weren't designed to be. Now I'm not saying we we don't work on our weaknesses. We do. We compensate for them. But I'll tell you what. If you maximize your strengths and your opportunities, you maximize what God has given you, you'll go much farther and be able to do much more. The sweet spot in Japanese called the Ikigai is where all this comes together. The things that we love, the things we're just sparking interest, passionate about, that which the world needs, that for which... I can get even be paid or receive something out of that at which you are good at it. You have a talent. You have a gift. You're able to do that. Where they cross is your passion, your mission. And if you can find it, that you can actually get paid for it, then even your profession. And sometimes, like I said, not always. Sometimes our job is not in that circle. But it pays for the circle to happen for our vocation, for our mission, for our passion. And that spot in the middle right there, that star is, that's your raison d'être, your reason for being, your reason for existence. Find it. What am I good at? What gifts do I have? What's the background God gave me? What are the opportunities that he's laid before me? What are the experiences I've had? What do I love to do? What do I naturally lean towards? What is on my heart to do and accomplish? And I'm telling you, it'll become clearer and clearer, your path, your vocation, your vocare, your vox, you'll hear it louder and clearer than ever before. And that's what you want. To have a clear idea, here's what I'm doing. And and I'm not saying it's all going to be answered in one shot. It can come in bits and pieces. I know I love to serve people. I know I love to help people. Okay, I'll go in that direction. I know I love technology. I'll go in that direction. I know I'm good at math. I'll go in that direction. 
I know I'm good at listening to people. I'll go in that direction. And I'll discover as I listen to that voice, as I listen to the Vox. And I will appreciate and value the ones that are different than me. I will not look down and will not compare my strengths to their weaknesses, nor will I compare my weaknesses to their strengths. In fact, how about we just stop comparing to each his own? God has blessed everybody different. To some he gave one talent, others three, and others five. You don't worry about it, what the other guy has. You do what you can with what you've got. Go in the strength you have. And when you get that together, God's will, your gifts, and your opportunities, that's the spiritual sweet spot. That's the spiritual sweet spot. That's shalom. Where you say, okay, I'm doing my thing. That's when you get up on the stage and you're a busboy. You're okay at being a busboy. But man, you open your mouth, start singing, people start crying. That's your shalom. That's your spot. That's your raison d'être. Your kigai. That's your reason for being here. Go after that. Develop it. Jump into it. Lean into it. In every little part you discover, I like to serve, then jump into serving. I like technology, then jump into technology. And understand, this is a gift from God. This is a gift from God to even just be happy what I'm doing. Be happy what I'm doing. So, you have to understand that. Because, why? Well, because life's short. You got to know why you're here. Know why you're here. It's important. I love this classic line Mordecai told Esther. For such a time as this. She thought she was just some beauty queen (laughs) that captured people, Babylon, exile, all that. But what she did not know was God had a great plan for her. She would save her people. This teenage beauty queen would end up being the one who saved the Jews. What an awesome thing. But she had to take, she had to realize for such a time as this, I am here. I have been called to this. So whatever my vocation is, I got to grab a hold of it. And again, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you're 20 or 60. Grab a hold of it. Maybe go back to it. Maybe stop and reconsider, right? These are the questions I'm asking people. Is God finished me with me yet? Is he finished with you? Have I already peaked spiritually? Are the glory days over? Is there anything else God wants me to do? Is there something God wants me to do now? What is my vocare today? What am I being called to? Do you think, I mean, really, let's be honest. Is he done with you? No. Is he? Have you already peaked spiritually? I hope not. There's a lot greater things to be done. Are your glory days over? Is the church's glory days over? God, no. <laughs> There's so many mountains to climb. There's so many mountains to move. There's so many great things that need to be done still. It ain't over till Jesus 
shows up on the clouds. Then it's over. You thought I was going to say the fat lady sings. No. It's over when Jesus shows up. Is there something God wants me to do now? I'm betting yes. I'm betting that yes, there's something God wants you to do now. What is my Wokari today? Only you can answer that. Others can help you. And they and they and they will, and you gotta talk to people. But only you can answer that. So what's your vocation? How your station in life serves as a channel of God's blessing to the people around you. It's how you bless people around you. It's how you take all those things God has given you and you make something out of it. You know, there's a classic story of three guys are sitting there laying brick. And the guy walks up to the first one and says, what are you doing? He says, can't you see I'm laying brick? Okay. He walks up to the second one. What are you doing? He says, I'm building a wall. Okay, great. He walks up to the third one. He says, what are you doing? He says, I am building a cathedral that will glorify God. That's awesome. You see, that guy heard his vocari. That guy knows what his, why he's there. He's not there just to be a bricklayer. He's not even there to build a wall. He's there to build a building that will glorify God. And that's how we need to see our lives. I don't know how much longer I've got. I hope another 10, 20 years, more towards the 20. (laughs) I got a lot more things I want to do. I know I'm here to promote Jesus in a world that is losing him and losing contact with God. I am a prophet sent out to the people to remind them about Jesus and bring them back to God. I love that. Everything I do is about that. Everything I do. And I have other vocations to train people, to help people be prepared, to be able to learn how to get the gospel out in a language that today's world understands, not the last century, this century figure out how to do church, to figure out how to build a healthy, fruitful church in the 21st century. I love that challenge. And I'm embracing it and going after it. Whatever I can do. You say, yeah, Robert, you're a minister of one small group in one city in one country. No, I am helping build God's kingdom where I'm at. One brick at a time or one soul at a time. So, the challenge in this, to hear God's call, to identify what God has given you, the experiences, your background, to figure out that calling. What is God's calling? And, and I'm telling you right now, it's not, it's not just one answer, not just one sentence. Boom, there it is. Sometimes it's piece by piece. Sometimes it's step by step. I know God wants me to do this. Amen, I'll do that. And then he reveals another leg of the trip, of the journey. And then he reveals something else. And if you're really watching, you're really paying attention, it's exciting. And it can get you out of bed in the morning. Okay, here we go. And sometimes I'm dog tired. So I have to think about the big picture. I'm building a cathedral. I'm not just laying brick. 
I'm building my cathedral for the Lord that will glorify him. One of the first things I want you to do is really figure out what are your superpowers. Everybody's got superpowers. You know, I love I love the way there's just been an explosion of superhero movies in the last, I don't know what, 10, 15 years. I mean, I remember as a kid wishing that somebody would make a new Superman movie. And one came out and it was pretty corny. But then as an adult, I've seen just movie after movie. And they are so cool, all of them. And it's amazing to me how many there are. Which tells me what the hunger of people are. To figure out how to do good. And they're all out there trying to save the world. That's what we want. That's a, Who are we looking up to? Those who make a difference. Those who do something. And not one superhero, maybe Captain Marvel, but none of the others have all the powers. Everybody's got something. And together, they beat the bad guys. They beat evil. Together. Even when they got some pretty strong people. They still need each other, right? Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each of us has our superpowers. What are yours? I mean, honestly, you got to know what they are. It's wisdom, strength, discipline, compassion, joy, serving, listening, patience, perseverance, organization. Some of us, our gift is leadership. Speaking, precision, self-denial. Some of us are great at self-denial. Some of us are terrible at it. Love. Wow. Talk about a valuable gift. Warmth. Compassion. Some of us are just great at being kind. Hospitality. Insight. Understanding. Empathy. Drive. Some of us are just very driven. We're just natural. We're wired that way. Other people get tired and quit. We just keep going. Understanding. Insight. Vision. The world needs visionaries badly, especially when we're in trouble. Faithfulness. Some of us are good problem solvers. We just grab all of it, we analyze it, boom, 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 boom. We figure it out. I love this story I read of this corporation in Boston that was trying to figure out how to manipulate a... um. I don't even know what they're called now. It's it, it was uh, uh uh oh gosh, I don't remember what it's called. It's it's like a molecule, like a sugar molecule, and how to change the structure of it without damaging it, retain some properties, but take away the negative properties. And this was actually going to be for health reasons. It would be a great discovery. They were so close for years. They had the smartest people from MIT, from Harvard, from Yale working on it. They couldn't figure it out. So they actually submitted it to an online group. There's an online group that just solves problems. And and people sign up and they try to solve it. And if they solve it, they get paid. They get paid good money. So this company actually put the problem on there 
to see if anybody could solve it. And somebody did, much to their surprise. Who was it? It was a group of gamers. And as I saw the picture of them. These are, these are couch potatoes. These are guys who sit around and play games for hours every day. They're just gamers. But a gamer is a problem solver. They're just, you know, that's what video games are, solving problems so you win. So they tackled this problem like gamers until they figured it out. And you see the picture of them. It's hilarious. They're just, they're classic couch potatoes, probably eating Hot Pockets and, and, and you know, monster drinks. And they figured it out because that's their gift. And here they shocked everybody. And it was awesome. A guy wrote a paper about it. About how they did this. And in another one where there was a, actually, they, they submitted a problem just to see how we think and solve problems. And the problem was given to a group of engineers from Harvard, a group of engineers from MIT, a group of lawyers. I forget. It was several different fields and a group of kindergartners from a school. And guess who solved it first? The kindergartners. Sometimes your gift is just, you're not hung up on past stuff. And your mind isn't bound by all the things you've learned not to think or not to believe. And you're just freer than others. And even that's a gift. And beware, most gifts are double-edged sword. They also have their weakness. But know what your gifts are. Know what your superpowers are. The world needs it. We got to save this world. You have superpowers. You got to know what they are. You got to be confident in them. Be thankful for them. Be positive. God didn't want you walking around feeling all insecure and down and out about yourself. Because then you're not going to help anybody. If you don't appreciate what God has given you, you probably won't put it to use. But if you appreciate how God made you, if you know your superpowers, then you can confidently try to help and make a difference in this world. I'm not saying you don't need to know your weaknesses. You need to know them. But but don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. A leader needs to know his strengths as a carpenter knows his tools or a physician knows the instruments at her disposal. What great leaders have in common is that each truly knows his or her strengths and can call on the right strength at the right time. This explains why there is no definitive list of characteristics that describes all leaders. You know, I've, I've, I've read all these books on leadership and books that are popular in the business world, but also the academic books where they've researched and boiled down and drilled down to figure out what is a leader. And nobody agrees. I mean, there's some basic things that we, everybody agrees, but the definitive list doesn't exist because there's always outliers. There's always differences which shows you how God distributes his gifts. Your weaknesses, you only need to be aware of them in as much as you know that that's where things might break and and come down. So it's best to cover those weaknesses. Define it, learn, compensate, and move forward. But don't even spend all your time and energy developing your weaknesses. Spend your time and energy 
covering them, but develop your strengths. It's actually much more effective. And understand how to even think of weaknesses. A weakness is something that gets in your way or in the way of others. Is it a non-talent or a weakness? Some things we're just not talented in. And that's not necessarily a weakness. Some things we're particularly bad at. (laughs) And they got to know that. And that's okay. You don't have to be good at everything. But you have to use what God has given you. Raw talent or developed. Some things we're just not developed in. That's not a weakness. That's just so you know where you can grow. You have a strength, but it's undeveloped. There's a difference. It's important to know that. That you develop it. Key findings from 50 years of Gallup research. All too often, leaders are blind to the obvious when it comes to something of critical importance to them, their own personality. Know who you are. Be self-aware. I'll tell you right now, one of the keys to effective leadership, one of the biggest keys is self-awareness. The most effective leaders are always investing in strengths, surround themselves with the right people, and then maximize their team. Understand their followers' need. Most effective leaders. They're not walking around down on themselves. So if you don't know what your strengths are, this is your homework. Find out. I'll give you a couple of tips. There's a place called the VIA Strength Assessment. It's free. It's viacharacter.org. And take their test. They'll tell you what your strengths are. And it's pretty accurate. It's pretty good. And then there's the Clifton Strength Finder. And that's at gallopstrengthcenter.com. Now that one's there's a fee for it. If you're willing to pay it, it's really, really a good test. And then there's another test called the DISC test, D-I-S-C. Go to 123test.com. Find personality tests and click the DISC personality test. That's for free also. That test costs most people $30 to $60 to take it. But here's a site where you can take it for free. And you can find out a whole bunch. Because I'm going to be talking about this too. And I'm going to go through each of these tests. So your homework is to go ahead and find those and take them so you know what you are when we talk about it already. So that concludes the first class. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for striving to be your best and be the best leader you can. Thank you for growing and for searching for that sweet spot, the Ikagai, the Shalom spot. And let's... Do the best we can and see what God does as we listen to his voice and we realize and fulfill our destinies. And for more questions and, and more information, it's all at my website, thewayofthepilgrim.com. Join us in the journey. God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com 